Is a necktie a scarf or is a scarf a necktie? I would say a scarf is a necktie. Oh, so the, the, the necktie has precedence there. Well, yeah, because a scarf, I feel like a scarf's intent is to keep your neck warm. So it is a neck warming necktie. Whereas a necktie is strictly decorative. I don't think it has any sort of function these days. Other than it completing like the formal but that's, attire for a male. That's an aesthetic, you know, zeitgeist cultural acceptance. That's not like if, if we didn't wear neckties and somebody wore a necktie, people would be like, that scarf doesn't do you any good. Take it off. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, I also think that I would happen to agree with you, except I feel like scarves are just as fashionable. Like I see many people wearing right. scarves with t-shirts. Yes, which like, makes a scarf a necktie. So, oh, okay. So when it's not keeping you warm, that makes it automatically a necktie. Well, yes. I mean, the definition is in its name. Like, did you tie it around your neck? Cool. Good job. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Okay. So that, that makes sense. So whenever you're wearing it for the sake of warmth, although I'm sure a necktie provides some warming capability, I, not nothing. I right? think only in like the fact that it tightens the collar around you, the necktie itself does not keep you warmer. Well, it has weight, you know, I mean, you're, you're working harder to Oops. carry it around. I guess. And also given like it's extra strap in front of you, like the necktie is marginally warming your chest. Yeah. yeah, it's filling in the hole in between the blazer hole. Right. You know. Yeah. Do they still call them blazers? I, to or my knowledge, jackets? they call them jackets. Uh, I mean, I've, there is a difference. Right. There's very specifically a, a like you can call a blazer a jacket. You can't call a jacket a blazer. Like oh. I'm not going to say not that I ever do, but I'm not going to go say I'm going to go put on my Letterman blazer. That would be awesome if you did that. Though. <laughs> Just call every jacket a blazer. <laughs> oh, so wait. If you put on a, my way to like, parent teacher convention, <laughs> there's a deep cut for anybody who's diehard fan from the beginning. I see a notebook. I see a magazine. <laughs> it is fine. Hand me blazer. I I put on formal scarf around Letterman blazer. <laughs> Let me rotate dishes. Then we are off to parent teacher convention. <laughs> That's not a scarf. That's a belt, <laughs> sir. It is leather. <laughs> it is leather scarf. Not yeah, like not like that's any sort of defense. Like who wears a leather necktie or a leather scarf? <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like I've seen leather neckties. That's the thing. Really? Ugh. Yeah, it's got to be how like tie a, it. I don't know how do you tie it though? Right, it's got to be a pre one, like a clip on or something. Like there's no way. How are you like shoving that through and tightening the knot? Like, no. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the best idea. Right? You're just saying you've seen it. Uh, okay, enough of this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> right, enough of this tangential banter. That's not what people are here for. It's not even tangential. Tangential? Like, I feel like our Star Trek conversation will now be tangential because <laughs> we started with the necktie thing. <laughs> oh, speaking uh, of neckties, uh, as you know, this is the measure of an <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. You're right. Oh, all right. Where it is our continuing mission to explore what makes Star Trek proper Star Trek. And I, I really like this episode. And not <sighs> lost at its peak. Like lost when it was good. Those two episodes. I like how everything is in lost. comparison to right. lost. That's yeah, basis... Lost adjacent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the spinoff show. And I'm Paul. 
And the criteria by which we judge these episodes, number one, is there science fiction inherent to the plot? Number two, is that science fiction unique or novel in some way? And number three, is there a moral or ethical or, as you say, philosophical dilemma? And I I take that back about Lost, Uh, not just a good heroes episode. Um, I feel like that's more appropriate because in this episode, Jack learned about his powers and was like, oh, I can't tell anyone. Um, Although I'm going to, sorry, uh, I'm totally jumping ahead. Uh, And (laughs) this week we we did um, the measure of an episode, Star Trek edition, Picard edition, season three edition, episode seven edition, Dominion. And I thought it was going to be about the Dominion. And and, I mean, in in a tangential way, since that's our word of the day. It was wearing scarves <laughs> to bring it all back around. Uh, ah. do you, did you do the um, the voice to text? No, I forgot. Okay, I kind of got used to I got I got used to lower decks where there really wasn't a blurb. Right. No, these are yeah, these are lengthy. Uh, oh, I totally remember this. Um, crippled, cornered, and in crisis. To thank one of our listeners, Picard stages a gambit to trap Vatic and reveal her true motive, a gamble that puts the Titan in the crosshairs and forces Picard and Beverly to question every moral code they've ever held. That is a bold claim, Picard. I feel like that was written by Vatic, right? Kind of patting herself on the back. <laughs> yeah. It actually says uh, crippled, cornered, and out of options, but we were talking about how the alliteration was lacking there. Um, yeah. and it could have just been left as crippled and cornered. It's disorienting. I was waiting for another C word. Yeah. Get rid of the C word. <laughs> I'll leave what I'm ready. <laughs> so good. Oh, <laughs> well, we got our, we got our quota in. We got our loss. I know. All right. Reference. Well, I've been Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first interesting thing that I feel like happens, which is fairly close to the beginning, which is when seven is talking to Tuvok. Yeah. And I feel like that is the beginning, isn't it? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Before we even start there, I have to say, uh, I figured out who this series is for. Okay. Who is it for? It's for us. The ones who binge watch when we can and then have to take a really long break. And so when we come back, we're like, oh, that's the previously on. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I remember now. Right. Yeah. I actually did appreciate the extendo previously on because I was like, oh, right. That's all right. I forgot about that. And that. Okay. Now we're back up to speed. Yeah. I thought about, do I need to watch the previous episode? And then I was like, nope. Yeah, that, that's a whole lot of nope. Like I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love doing this with you. I love doing this for our two listeners. Uh, but yeah. hopefully our 206, if YouTube is anything to go by. Uh, but anyway, Tuvok. Yes. So here's the thing. It was nice to see Tuvok again. I don't know why he is aging so quickly, but he is. Right. They that's, didn't explain that. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, because he was not really was, Tuvok. Was he, well, was he already so old? Oh, I'm assuming that Seven was like, why did you age like 250 years in the last six months since I saw you? Yeah. So I'm sure that's what Tuvok looks like at this point. But uh, I feel like they pulled a little one, two, three punch a little bit where Seven tries to test Tuvok to make sure that uh, mm-hmm. he's Tuvok. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then they have this big swelling when when she confirms it. Right. She looks off swelling. to the side and she nods and, oh, but that was a fake. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, is that they, they, they oversold the release when, when she decides that it actually is Tuvok. And I don't know why it was a secret that they played Calto. Right? So, it, it, right. It, it wasn't a secret that they played Calto. It was a secret that she beat him several times. Oh, got it. 
Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, you actually caught that reference. Nerd. <laughs> I can't do this podcast with you anymore. I know. <laughs> We're not supposed to be that those guys. But anyway. So there was that little bit where she was like, yeah, okay, yeah, this is my friend. But then when she mentions where to meet, Tuvok is like, sounds good. I'll meet you there. And she's like, nah, uh, uh. This is where Vulcans were annihilated twice. There's no way you would meet me there. Well, I didn't, what I didn't like, this felt very unsportsmanlike of them because they were of like, who? oh, of the filmmakers. Okay. Because basically they had this swell in the music and we were meant to think, oh, everything is all right. Uh-huh. It is actually Tuvok. It's right. great to see a Tuvok high five. Right. And then all of a sudden it's not Tuvok. And I feel like here's the thing. The music did a lot of this work, right? Because they played the Voyager thing theme. Right. And here's the thing about music. Music is kind of supposed to be un- omnipotent. It's not going to it's not supposed to play happy or re- relief unless music knows best, right? Music knows okay. what's happening. So you could have done that scene and not had the music indicate that indeed that is Tuvok. We don't have to worry anymore about that. Because I think that with these kinds of plot lines where you have shapeshifters who can shapeshift into anybody identically mm-hmm. down to the molecular level, you're like the whole time, you're like, well, is he really talking to Picard? You know, this is going to get old. I hope they don't make this get old after a while mm-hmm. because you're just going to be like, oh, is that really Janeway? I right. don't know. Like, right. who, like it just yeah. gets boring. But I feel like, especially when the music is now not on our side, we have a, what do they call that in literature? A un, inconsistent Unreliable narrator. narrator. Yeah. yeah. We have yeah. an unreliable well, composer now too. Right. And we don't have an anchor to, to hold us through the, the thing. Um, this, just you speaking to, or yeah, you, you speaking to music being kind of omnipotent, the, the two examples I can think of one recent and one more of a kind of just a great movie, uh, on Gen V, I think is the name of the show. It's the boys spinoff. Um, in the last episode, Homelander shows up and they give him like, if you, if you've watched the boys, like he's, he's a bad guy. Um, but according to the outside world, he's He's basically Superman, um, and he shows up, and they give swelling superhero music until he starts to land. And as he's as he's descending, the music descends with him, and like the the music gets very dissonant and ominous as well as he's landing. Um, and so it goes from like, oh, here's this hero, to oh, there's something wrong with him showing up. Right. It's it's not meant to manipulate in that way. I mean, that's not to say that I'm sure there are there are points where the music has manipulated you in some way. Sure. Usually the man, the manipulation happens in absence of music where it's not indicating how we should feel. Mm-hmm. It's not giving us that leg up emotionally. Right. But they did the other thing, which I feel like is a, it should be against the rules. It's like having siren sounds in radio ads, you know, where people mostly listen to the radio in the car and then you have a siren sound coming through the radio. Like kind of faded, like it's behind you. Yeah. 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 Not a, there should be a law against that, right? I I feel like there is. I'm not positive, but I'm I'm pretty sure that you know it's kind of like um it's kind of like the freedom of speech. How you are not allowed to yell fire in a movie theater. Oh, you know, I didn't know that now. <laughs> you're like, yeah, learned that the hard way. Yeah, <laughs> that's, right. And that's how it's related right, to music. Same, yeah, that's the same thing. That's the same thing as music. Exactly. exactly. Like it's a one to one correlation. <laughs> right. 
But I have to say, it was nice to see Tuvok. I'm sure they're saving up Janeway for a later. But here's Although the thing. We, we didn't seven. see Tuvok. That's true. Well, we saw the actor. Okay. You know. okay. I guess Tuvok, maybe he's dead now or just dismembered or something like that. It's it's kind of funny. So Tim Russ was on The Next Generation as uh, not as Tuvok. And right. Tuvok yeah. was on Lower Decks, but he didn't say anything. So Tim Russ didn't voice him. Well, we, we're not sure of that. There could have been a cutscene, so we don't know. Okay, based on the episode we saw. <laughs> yes, you're right. Uh, you're and right. there was a, a Mirror Universe Tuvok on Deep Space Nine, which we did see. Uh, and so here was another non-Tuvok Tuvok. Was he a good guy or a bad guy? Uh, it's the it's the Mirror Universe, so it's hard to say. He's part of the rebel against the Terran whatever. <sighs> <laughs> That's why people come to this podcast. I keep telling you, <laughs> I'm uh, yeah, I'm I'm a beautiful blend of both worthless and way too nerdy. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, well, I say beautiful. So we have this scene with Data where we learn that there are at least two, if not four, personalities swimming around in this new android. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of them is Data. One of them is Lore. The other one are two other people who we don't know. Uh, kind of. S- yeah. Fuzzy on who else it is. Uh, Sung and Lal are the the other two that are just they they said they were just memory files. Right. Okay. They so love that, memories. Yeah. That clears it up. So anyway, there's this back and forth between lore and data, which mm-hmm. felt I was like, gosh, they're really leaning into this. Like data mm-hmm. doesn't get to be data because there's this ongoing fight between the two of them, and right. they use this as a reason to philosophize, Data and Geordi, not Data and Geordi, Geordi and Picard. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of talking. I really can't even give you the gist of what the philosophizing was about. Okay, It was it was kind of using it as a greater metaphor for life and everything like that and what we're here for. That kind of is what I, what I took away from it. And I felt like it should not have come at the expense of Data because it ultimately doesn't matter, that kind of stuff in Star Trek. I don't, Especially when they have an old friend and who they're trying to save. And Jordy at some point says, well, I can't let Data go. Not, not again. Uh, I can't do that again. And I do have to say that uh, Jordy LaForge, played by LeVar Burton, gave an excellent performance. Yes. I feel like he's, he's also showing up for, for this. He's not just kind of funny. So I, I feel like in this episode – all of the the classic next generation characters really showed up. Like, I mean, just Brent Spiner. I didn't realize how different Data and Lore were until I saw him switching back and forth. And just the the soft composure of Data is so different than the snarky condescension of Lore. Right. I don't, I, they explained why they would put lore into, like, why they would continue mm-hmm. or perpetuate lore like this. Mm-hmm. I so didn't buy it. The idea that you would balance out data. I didn't realize that data needed balancing. They mm-hmm. did say that, oh, he, that maybe it will give him what he's always wanted, which is humanity. But I don't think data actually wants to be more human because he was given the opportunity and. And did not take it. Well, I right, but I think I think it's one of those things where if you can't have it on your terms, it's not worth having. You know, like he had to have it at the at the sacrifice of the rest of his friends. Um, 
or well, yeah, I guess both times when Lore provided him emotions and when the Borg Queen said we we don't convert things into machinery, we swap them for the other. So since you're a machine, we're going to make you human. Well, that's a good point. They, I mean, I guess they realize that uh, there are holes in Data's experience, and everybody keeps trying to patch them. And he's like, "Please stop! Right. I don't need any of this stuff." Yeah. Well, here's a brand new arm, Data. It's like, oh, this, this is just more pain. I don't understand why you're doing this to me. <laughs> exactly. But anything that brings him closer to humanity is going to be a gift, right? Because otherwise, it's just more of a, a it's more of the journey for Data than it is actually becoming human. So, if all he wanted was to become human, he would have taken Riker's offer. At that point, oh geez, I can, yeah, I forgot about that one too. When he had Q's powers, yeah, and he yeah. could just become human, and that would have solved all the problems. Mm-hmm. But I think Data is more about I enjoy the struggle. I I want to get better at this, knowing that I'll never achieve it. It'll always be on the horizon, and I feel like that. Like they didn't talk to Data before they said, "Well, here we're going to give you this asshole." <laughs> right. <laughs> Work with this, you yeah. know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, and and well, and definitely part of it is his his humanity. I think uh, on Data's side, you know, despite the fact that he has no emotions, he wants all of these things to be earned and not just given to him. Right. You know, it's the same thing like with the with the emotion chip in Generations. You know, he he kind of said like this is uh, this is one thing that I I cannot earn on my own. You know, and the, I feel like this is just the the next stepping stone to being human or whatever he said. You know, but it was it was definitely something that he he chose for himself rather than like the Borg, like Q, like his brother. They're thrusting it upon him, saying, "This is what you want, so here it is." Well, I think in terms of the emotion chip in generations, the reason what predicated him on doing that, on pulling the trigger, was he thought it would be funny to push. Deanna Troy into the ocean. Oh, right, 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 right. And he's like, I'm tired of just not getting it. Right. I'm tired of, yeah. yeah. He realized that he would, he hurt somebody, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And he didn't want to do that. And so he felt like this was the only choice he could make. Right. Um, so I understand that point, but I don't. I don't. I I like the idea that data is data. I don't know why who is sung or whatever. I feel like it's a little, uh, I guess, masochistic because they all look the same, but uh, sadistic to put lore in there. I think it was a little fun little Halloween gag. Right. That they did to data. <laughs> oh, he's gonna love this. Right. Yeah. But I just I want data to be. I don't want him to be this marginalized character where he's kind of conscious sometimes and can we only get little bits and pieces of him. Mm-hmm. I want him to be a, a character again on the show. Right. Right. Yeah. Everybody, they keep teasing us with this data stuff. I mean, I guess I hope it pays off. I hope they're not just doing this because they don't know how to incorporate him. We knew that they would bring him back. In fact, we, we hypothesized that data is not dead. In mm-hmm. fact, he will be back. Well, it's it's interesting too because, like, aside from season two where Brent Spiner played just a mustache twirling villain, you know, Brent Spiner continues to say that he's done playing Data because he's too old. But then he continues to play Data, you know. And this was this was a time too where like he knew that he was Data in season three. And he was telling people like, no, he's he's done, he's out, he's not doing it anymore. And then there was that like cameo in the trailer, and he was like, yeah, but it's only a little bit. And here we are. I mean, yes, we are in episode seven, and I think he showed up in the last episode, so he's on in the back half at least. How many more episodes are there? There's three. Three? Yeah. Okay. Eight, yeah. nine, and ten. 
right. Okay. Right. Um, well, and that's, that's the other part of it too. Like I, I feel like what season three has done so much better than seasons one and two is they have kept kind of the ticking clock. Um, but, but not, not exactly. Well, yes, the ticking clock with Federation day, but they've, they've kept it in a way that has kept the episodes alive and suspenseful, you know, in a way that seasons one and two just didn't feel this way. It felt very much like they were spinning their wheels. They have, yeah, they have this plot line that's an overarching plot line that allows all the characters to kind of do what they need to do. I mean, you'll notice that Picard's always seated. He's always, all of his scenes are in a seated position. He's, mm-hmm. he's very rarely interacting with the plot. Everybody else is kind of doing that for him. Right. And <laughs> it's so and interesting. Him about what it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's so interesting that they just abandoned the other characters of the show. They're gone. Which ones? And and the, I guess the Borg Queen, who is now the Borg Queen. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Agnes and uh, Rios. They left Rios in the past. Uh-huh. So he's been dead for a while. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> who is the, oh, Rafi, I guess, in the show. But we did not see her, did we? No, yeah, Rafi and Worf this time. Worf was mentioned, as was Riker. Right. Um, but it was, again, it was it was neat because, like, they, having been away from the the, uh, the show, you know, and forgetting what's happening with Rafi and Worf, they provided it in dialogue. Um, and then Riker was still in the episode, even though we never actually saw Riker. Yeah. And, well, I was fine with it. Right. Well, and I just remembered, though, having said that, uh, we saw Deanna at the the sting of episode six. And... So that's that's interesting to go an entire episode without going back to that character after that big reveal. It was interesting too when Tuvok turns into Riker as sort of a, a taunt. He they made him look older and they made him look beat up or something like that, as though he was having trouble replicating him. Oh, I took it to be dead. That's what I took it as. Oh, is that what that was? Oh, okay, that makes sense. Why is he talking then? Shouldn't be talking. He was dead. <laughs> I didn't hear why was he talking. I heard who was he talking. And so I thought there was like, who was he talking to? And Uh-oh. Yep. so like that, that's why I was silent. I, I was like, he was on the screen talking to the card. Like, you... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah. So data, I'm just hoping that data plays more of a role and less of a Google person, right? Not less of a, an interactive Google. Because they just use him. I guess that's what he is in the show sometimes. But I want him to be a character, yes, not a a, a computer terminal. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. there is. We talked about this uh, uh, like <laughs> six months ago or whenever this came out. Um, there was a clip that I saw that I thought was behind the scenes, and it was. But they showed a a clip with data that you are going to enjoy. But it's going to make you so mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know based on this conversation, on, like they get onto the old Enterprise, I do know that much. <clears throat> right, I know that. I know that happens. I'm sure you've seen the same pictures as I've as I have. Well, yeah, like I I used it for our thumbnail. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's where I've seen it. You spoiled it. For me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't know if that's a publicity shot or because I mean they're all standing there on the bridge, like looking out. So. Um, no, and to, yeah, we, we did talk about how they had to build the bridge from scratch. They didn't have any blueprints. They had to base it off of all of the, the original series, like just scenes on the bridge. Oh, it's terrible. If only they had hundreds of hours of episodes to look at the bridge from. Right. 
I wonder, I actually wonder, like, with you saying that, if they did digitally recreate it? Well, they have, I I had, in the 90s, a 3D, like, virtual reality walkthrough, like, CD-ROM. Right. You could go around the bridge and look at it. So, it's not like they didn't have the materials, right? I mean, I guess, like, how much plywood do we use for this and that? I guess that would be good to know, but... I guess that's, but I mean, there's got to be so many programs now. Like they talked about how they didn't have the blueprints and how difficult it was to recreate it. But you're so right. Like there's so many 3D imagings of it and the hundreds of, like hundreds of thousands of feet of film reel that they could pull through to like see all the different shots. And then they've got to have programs that allow you to like scan that in and say, okay, based on these measurements, this is what you need. Yeah, exactly. It's it's probably and they would have to rebuild it according to the way they want to build it anyway. They're not going to build it the same way they did in the late eighties, right? Based on yeah, camera work and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean yeah. they're just gonna they're gonna make it updated and and modernize it, right? Even though it's going to look the same. So yeah, that was just a. I feel like that may have been a marketing thing. Yeah, and yeah. it worked. Right? We're in. Yeah, that's what pulled us in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the scene with Jack and Picard. Where Jack confides in Picard that there's something wrong with him. Can and oh still- yes, can I just like take a moment to appreciate that scene? Because having <laughs> listened to so many of our episodes just recently, like this is the this is the scene that you always want. This is the scene that you are talking about when somebody has something wrong with them, they don't just keep it to themselves. Right. Well, the problem is this this happened in episode eight, right? And not episode one. Zero point five. Well, right? I think I think the moment he started feeling it, because remember he did say to his mom, "There's something wrong with me." But I feel like his problem that he's been having. I got the impression that this had been happening to him for a long time, if not all of mm, his life. Right. That he always had these weird demons that he thought were they kind of always brushed off as like, well, that's just a nightmare. Well, his mom told you, like his mom said, you don't tell anyone that problem. Like you keep yeah. that inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll thank me later. Right. So, yeah, I agree. This is the scene we always wanted, just not late. And also, stop spelling it out for us. This is my complaint about this. It felt like such filler because they didn't give us any more information than we already had. Than we already knew. Yeah, he was telling Picard. Like, they should right. have done, um, I have a problem. And he said, tell me about it. Then they cut right. to a different scene. Yep. Show right. us something else that we don't know. And then come back and Picard's all filled in. And Picard says, so what you're telling me is... <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny if they cut back and he was like, say that again. I didn't quite hear <laughs> Right? Uh, I'm sorry. I was thinking about the time that I was... Oh my gosh, what's... Thinking co- about lunch. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. Your voice. Were you the one who asked me that question six years ago? <laughs> At the bar that we've recreated in the holodeck? Right. That everybody goes to. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I go, we can't have this conversation here. Come with me to the holodeck. <laughs> I need to sit in this booth. Will you sit at the bar? Put a hat on. <laughs> Computer, generate crowd. Show me, you know. Uh, yeah, so I just felt like this scene was a lot of information that we already have slash no mm-hmm. information because he doesn't ever say, like they don't get to the bottom of anything. Right, it's this is just like, sharing information you- that we already know without providing any solution, yeah. Right. Or even any insight. Picard gives nothing. Yeah. He's like, thank you for telling he just me. Says, yeah. Tell me more. My eyes are going to close, but I am not sleeping. <laughs> just know that I'm not sleeping. Are you alive? 
I um, I just was not expecting. <laughs> Give as much detail as possible. Yeah. Take as long as you want. My, if you if you hear those are those are snores of appreciation. <laughs> I breathe heavy when I'm very interested. Sometimes I half nod, which is my head rolls forward and doesn't roll back. <laughs> That's just an acknowledgement of what you're saying and an indication to continue. For nodding off. Uh, so they end the scene with Jack saying, I don't like that. I don't have the advantage. And I like the honesty of it. It's like usually when I have the advantage, I'm cheating. Or right. we're at or equal. It's a neutral ground, right? But this, we don't have that. We don't have the advantage. What are we going to do, Dad? And he's like, but what if we do have the advantage? I Okay, so... <laughs> I did not expect that to be the line because that's what I was thinking as like a riff on this. You know, he's like, we don't have the advantage. He's like, but what if we did? Yeah. Like, but that was supposed to be the zinger that they act out on. And uh-huh. then it cuts to Jack. And, and I was like, oh, they're going to fade in, push in, you know, in a very conventional, traditional next gen act out where, you know, mm, I, right. I, I, all they had to do was have Jack face his back to Picard and the camera zooms in on him. Yes. But they didn't do that and they obviously uh, looped a line in because they felt like the audience wouldn't get it. Uh, and they they have Picard say, I think I know how we can get Vatic. And I was like, you thought we needed that. Right, right. You thought that maybe what Picard says was good or bad. I don't know. I don't have enough information. Right. Unless you specifically tell me what you mean. <laughs> yeah. What if, what I hated if we it. did? I mean, we yeah. don't, but what if? Right, what if we did? <laughs> yeah. We don't, just just to make clear. We do not have the advantage at all. But yeah. what if we did? <laughs> <laughs> right, like, yeah, and... <sighs> Jack is just like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, so irritated. Cut that whole scene out. Does anything happen? I mean, even if even if you're like kind of disoriented because they beam onto the Titan, and you're like, "Wait a minute, what? Where is everybody?" You know, he's like, "Oh, this was all a plan." Like that's that's what you're expecting because why would they just turn off their shields, <laughs> right? Or leave, and uh, you still wouldn't need it. You still don't need leave. You know, usually this happens in these types of plot lines where they say, "Gather around, I have a plan," and then you cut, and then you get to see the plan carried out. In real time, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, well, they they cut and they do voiceover. Uh, like I think they did that in season two. They talked about how they were going to infiltrate something, and right, and then they did it. Yeah, yeah. they did I it mean, through the voiceover. And in Mission Impossible. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely a trope. Like, I would love to see the trope of this is how we do it, and then it just cuts to them having done it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I told you. Right. <laughs> I knew it would work. So, uh, Vatic comes onto the ship. And they're like, "What's going on?" And they're, they're like, it seems like Vatic is just not uh, uh, dubious of how easy this is to get onto the ships. Like, this seems like it should have been harder. I mean, maybe they handle it in the line of like, "No, the warp engine is awful." Oh no, they did have that little like recording of the person saying something about like, "No, our shields are offline." Oh shit, the 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 shooting stuff at us. You know, it's like. Okay, fine, you handle it. But she's still, she still, I feel like she still should have been a little suspicious of the situation. Anyway, Jack shows up with the, with Vatic and her goons behind her. Mm-hmm. And they clearly outgun him. He's got a phaser or whatever, but they have all outgunned him. They have so many. There's no way that he wouldn't, like, that he would 
he would win this situation right. even if he was in kick-ass mode. Mm-hmm. And again, why aren't they stunning now, asking questions later? Why do you have to have this back and forth of like, no, we have to lull him into a false sense of security and then bring him with us voluntarily? Just stun him. Right. Just, phew, and they're done. Yeah, done. Like, yeah. why just shoot him? If you see Jack, shoot him. Right. Don't, if, and if I start talking, don't like, just shoot him. Like, just shoot I'll, him. You know. Right. Forget yeah. my monologuing. Yeah. Yeah, yep. exactly. Why are we doing this? What was the other show that we were doing? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. Where they have a bad guy doing that bad thing to the ship, they're trying to talk you off the ledge. Just yeah. shoot him. Right. It's like the writers have forgotten that there is a stun setting. Yeah. Like these are not guns. These are these are spectrum blasters. Well, and there's an inconsistency because sometimes they just disintegrate and sometimes they just kind of fall down. I got the impression that sometimes if you if you hit them on full power, they just disintegrate no matter where you hit them, whether it's in the leg or the chest or whatever. Right. They just go away. And then there are some times where they shoot them and they're just like down for the count. Mm-hmm. They're like wounded. Yeah. Well, and then and, there's there's the one that got shot and after uh, Captain Dick walked by, like he stood up. Yeah. He was yeah. faking so, it. Yeah. yeah. Right. And there was also inconsistency of how many of her goons beamed aboard. I thought... There were two left after they trapped all of them because it felt like, oh, she beamed aboard with like six people. Mm, yeah, I think there were. And, yeah. And then she shows up on the ship and there's 12 of them all of a sudden. Right. And I feel like the, the bridge would have been able to tell that more people are beaming aboard and they would have been able to tell where everybody is. It just, it felt like they had to get her on the bridge and they didn't, they couldn't spend a lot of time doing it. And so they got Vatic on the bridge with just way more people than, it, than she should have. Or that she beamed over with, and it just it, it, the whole action part of this episode felt very inconsistent. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. So then we get to they trap Vatic, and she, of course, she's she's a villain, so she doesn't feel nervous at all. Like you're kind of getting doing all of the math of like I wanted to be trapped, mm-hmm. I wanted to be caught. This was all part of the plan, and all of the monologuing. You mentioned monologuing. There was so much of it in this. What's her name? Honey Bunch does a really great job, but. Um, I. What if people don't get the reference to Pulp Fiction, and they just think I call her Honey Bunch? Like I'm that chauvinistic, right? Um, I just I got I got overloaded. It was well performed and well executed, but it just it felt very Star Warsian. Again. Oh, really? Not not in the plot like the lower decks thing where it just had all the symbology of Star Wars, but mm-hmm. more there are always these scenes where the bad guy lays out the plan, the monologue, you know. Right. I I don't I don't I don't see that in Star Wars. That's what I'm like I I see it uh You see what you want to see? Yeah, well, it's funny. Like the the one for some reason, like the one that came to my mind was uh The Secret of Nim where they talk about all the rats that were being tortured and consequently they were made to be smarter. Like, and it, it's all shown in flashback in the same way. Like, I, I don't remember there being a flashback scene in Star Wars. I remember there being flashback movies. Right. Well, that's what I mean. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Episodes one, two, and three. That's, right. uh, that's what I'm talking about. All, yeah. Just Anakin recalling while he's in the <laughs> deprivation chamber. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just too much of it. Like they had, I, it was a well constructed where they were cutting back and forth between Data and Lore and Jordy mm-hmm. and Jack. I thought it was cool that Jack was kind of remote controlling Jordy's daughter. Yeah, Sydney <laughs> mentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that was kind of cool. 
I appreciate that. Uh, but and they, they were it wasn't scene after scene after scene. It was all intercut. Well, yes, and the other thing too that was really nice about that scene. I wish there was a little bit more of them both being in the shot, but I did not feel confused about his actions versus her actions, like what was happening. Like that was that was cut very well and shot very well in a way that I I knew that she was mimicking her. She was mirroring his actions, um, right. and. Uh, you know, and, and he was he was kind of guiding her on what to do. The the part that I was confused by was I did not think that he had taken her over. I thought that like, you know, just as he was able to read his her thoughts, and then she began to be able to read his thoughts. I thought that it was more like a what's going on with us, not what she said, which is what did you do to me? Yeah, and I felt like her reaction to him touching her hand. Where she's like, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. And it just—it was a weird moment where he says nothing. He must have said something in the script, and they cut it out because it didn't make sense. So they wanted to move the scene along, right? Well, yeah, because otherwise they're just staring at each other. Yeah, just staring at each other. It's like she's just—he's just staring at me right now. And why are his eyes red? That's weird, right? Um, yeah, I—I uh, I guess he's going to be a weird mystery until the very end. Or something I like don't. I—I I mean, unless we spend the next two <laughs> episodes with. With that, again, with that sting at the end, with Vadik saying, you know, uh, Jack, it's time to find out who you really are. <laughs> and then the next two episodes, she's like, oh, if only you knew what I know. Yeah. Well, it'd be great is if they get to that part where she says that. She says, now we'll find out who you really are. And the music is swelling and like everybody, including the prisoners, are kind of leaning in, waiting for her to finish her sentence. She's <laughs> like, huh? Right. No. Yeah. Just leaning into those side comms. All right, let's talk about Beverly for a second. Okay. Beverly's doing a good job. Appreciate her her contribution to the ship. I agree. So proper episode? Yeah. <laughs> We're getting there. We're I know. getting there. I was just saying, you said, let's talk about Beverly for a minute. So that was it. <laughs> that was it. it. Yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> so she keeps talking about her son. And I'm starting to get a little annoyed mm-hmm. by this mm-hmm. because she has a son. She does. You're right. <laughs> she has another one. <laughs> she right? does. Yep. Who's off gallivanting across the universe? Who was actually mentioned in the last season? So it's not like the writers have forgotten about him, right? Yeah. So here's the thing: I would be fine with all of this. This is my son. How dare you? I need to protect my son. Blah blah blah. If there was just a line, one line, where she said, "I've already lost one son," right? I couldn't save one son. Cruelty yeah. of space, or right. whatever. Like I can't mm-hmm. lose another one. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's all I need. Why why won't they reference Wesley? Right. It's almost like he's It's in the Picard Bible. Like shut up Wesley. <laughs> shut up about Wesley. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird. It's like why not why not maybe he's going to make an appearance and they don't want to remind us, you know? That would be I mean, a that I, I don't know actually. No. I'm totally conflicted. Like there's so many emotions just went through me cuz it's it would be such a great callback and like reference and but it's also a deus ex machina. Like if he just comes in to save the day and they haven't talked about him at all. <laughs> like, well, first off, if this is your first time coming into Star Trek, what is wrong with you? Like you're coming into a sequel series in the last season. But, you know, for it, those. I mean, it so would not land. I mean, I can see why some people might not like the show if this is their introduction. Right. You're just like, this is boring. Right. Well, and also like the music swells and Wesley shows up. And so like, who's this guy? Like I know. it would be uh, unbelievably frustrating to to have him just show up. Well, and also 
uh, that's giving the writers again, like way too much credit. And also they are, they are not ones to leave us in the dark about something like that. They would definitely have things planted along the way. Like I think that she would be saying more about how she misses Wesley if he were to show up. She just doesn't reference him at all. I know. There's so much sun talk that right. she's like, oh yeah, what about Wesley? Don't change the subject. Yeah, you're right. Like there's so much, this is my son. Yeah. I'm trying to think of different ways to say it, but you're right. Like all it just takes is that one bit of dialogue. Like I've, I've already lost one son. Just or, one line. You know, yeah. you you made me lose another son. Like you made me lose one son. I'm not going to lose another one to you or something like that. Yeah, so I think not a genuine Star Trek episode. I think it's just not, it just, it was, they were doing too much talking. There was not any concepts that really stuck out to me of, of anything science fiction-y, right? Like it just was kind of a, I mean, there's a lot of philosophizing. That's for sure. Right. But uh, yeah, so it checks off the third one for sure. But yeah, I just felt like it was kind of this interstitial episode where we're getting from one place to another and now stuff is going to start happening again. Um, But I guess we'll see because I would like I would like it to start having a little bit more momentum. I agree. Lots of philosophizing. I think I got so focused on that at the beginning where like Beverly just right off the bat starts talking about the moral dilemma of committing genocide on the changelings. And I was like, well, there we go. There's our discussion. Good job. Right. I mean, it was interesting that we got some backstory of, of how they treated, like why they were, they were torturing these beings. Mm-hmm. We didn't really get the sense of what the purpose was for. Well, yeah. But- and uh, I mean, kind of the same thing, like where the history is written by the, the victors. Um, yeah where yeah. Picard is saying like, no, we did it this way. And she's like, is that how your history books wrote it? And blah, blah, blah. And like, we get the scenes and it's not, it's not typically so blatant. So I was really excited over that, that I kind of just assumed, but I think you're right. I think this was, I think this was an episode that was really good as far as like filler and setting up the dominoes to fall. Right. They now lost control of their ship. We know what at least a motivation is. We still have that weird being who Vatic is talking to with mm-hmm. her arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've well, we've got the being and we've got the red eyes. Like those are those are the two things that are still being presented as mysteries. And also, I mean, I, th- I think Jack is directly connected to both of those, but it's also like who Jack really is. Apparently, she's like, <laughs> she comes in and she's like, "You're Picard, son." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spitting everywhere. Right. Well, yeah. and, yes. Oh, <laughs> we know that. Right. Been, we did that already. Right. That was three episodes ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, it, now I feel like now we've got all information. Let's, let's do it. Right. right? Mm-hmm. There's a ticking clock for everybody now. Yeah. Let's get through it. And we got, we woke up data. So let's get that in there. Yeah. So we've got, I mean, we have Federation day, which is what? 24 hours away. I think. Is that I what they know. said? They say hours. They say hours okay. away. Hours away. Point. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's however many hours they need it to be. Right. Yeah. I mean, it would be super, I don't, I don't think they will do this, but it would be super exciting if it was three hours away and the next three episodes just were basically 24. Real time. Yeah, real time. Yeah. yeah, well, the problem is you got to travel through space and stuff. You need to give time to like, you know, warp back to nine. It'll take us seven and a half hours to get there and then we get there, you know, so. Oh, so good if there's like an episode where they're like, okay, we've got it. It's it's, it's too late. Like even at top warp speed, we'll be yeah. <laughs> days away before we- we're so far away. Yeah. And that's when the board queens be like, I happen to have a little portal here for you. Right. 
there there's i mean we'll see what happens but there are so many things that have already been established in seasons one and two like there was both of them had this big technical bad technological bad you know that came hurling across the universe and in the first one they're like no we don't want you here and it like got smashed back away and then in the second one borgness was like all right i'm gonna stay here until it goes away like i got you covered don't worry jl yeah oh, that's <laughs> yeah well i i just hope that they're i mean they've been doing good surprises they've been they've been keeping us on our toes in terms of oh this is a character who you forgot about right you know yeah in a positive so, way where it's like oh yeah you know um and n- not as in a well that came out of left field right Here's to hoping that this was a necessary but short-lived part of Picard. Right? I, I I would wager that this is the Caves episode of Picard season three. Right. You know. right. Yeah. Yeah, they're both episode seven too. No, they weren't. No. It was episode eight. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of a breather episode, uh, kind of reminding us where everything is. Kind of a good episode to come back to, I feel like. You know, it, was, it was a good suspense and setup, and hopefully the next, yeah. next three episodes are, are blazing. Right. We'll see. Yeah. Well... Well, I've been Paul. She's oh, being we started again. I've been Jonathan. And this has been the measure of an episode. Now it's like shotgun. You just have to call it. You know? <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> just do row. Just do row. <laughs> but you already. <laughs> I didn't know she was a beatboxer. <laughs>